0: In a USC death match, who would win the game between two of USC's best teams ever? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Lockdown USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free and we really do appreciate you and your support. If you are watching on YouTube and you haven't become a subscriber yet, it would mean a whole heck of a lot. Do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. And if you do like the show, hit that like button. And there's also that notification button so you never miss an episode. All right, we're 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 almost there. Next weekend, USC is scheduled to open spring camp, finally. And because there really isn't a whole lot else going on besides the winter workouts, I decided to come up with a game for the ages. I want you to think about this. In the Cardinal Corner, The 1979 USC football team, coached by John Robinson. They finished the season 11 0 1, and they were number two in the country when everything was all said and done. Versus in the gold corner, the 2004 USC Trojans, coached by Pete Carroll. That team finished the year 13 0, undefeated, obviously. And they're, they're, they were the BCS national champions. So does it really, does it come down to this? You know, which team of NFL talent do you want for one game only? Charles White and Marcus Allen as your running back in the backfield? Or do you want Lendale White and Reggie Bush carrying the ball? Matt Leinart won the Heisman. He was the quarterback of that 2014 But, you know, more of a however, uh, Paul McDonald was playing quarterback for that USC team back in 1979. And that was in an era when the running back was still the king of college football. And if you need proof, that year that USC went undefeated in 1979 with a tie on their record, uh, quarterback Paul, He led the team in passing. He completed 164 passes on only 264 attempts per 2,223 yards, 18 touchdowns, and six interceptions. 164 completions, 264 pass attempts. That's a half a season nowadays. Charles White, he just led the team in rushing with 332 carries. So that's. Almost 70 more (laughs) carries running the ball by one person than one quarterback throwing all season long. Oh, he finished the year with 2,050 yards rushing, 19 touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, USC's leading wide receiver that season in 1979 was Dan Garcia. He had 29 catches for 492 yards and three touchdowns. So no offense, but who? You have to be a real die-hard Trojan fan to remember the name Dan Garcia. I had to go look it up, and I'm a die-hard USC fan. I was 12 years old in 1979. Give me a little bit of a break, okay? Um, but here's the thing: if we're you, how about if we're judging by offensive lines? If, in hindsight, if we're using their NFL pedigrees, J. Rob's team is probably going to be your pick. So in 1979, again, I, let me just reemphasize. The Trojans were 11-0-1. 6-0-1 in conference. They were the Pac-10 back then. And they outscored their opponent 389-171. to It was a really dominant team. They ended up ranked number two in both the AP and the final UPI coaches poll, despite let me re- despite having a tie on their record against Stanford at home in L.A. USC still on that season. They won on the road at Texas Tech, at LSU, and at Notre Dame. All those games were on the road. USC won. Oh, and then by the way, they beat the number one ranked Ohio State Buckeyes in the Rose Bowl. That was that was the year with uh, Charles White going over the top. That 1970-19 was full of accolades. Well, two players: uh, Brad Buddy, he won the Lombardi Trophy, the Lombardi Award, best lineman, and then Charles White, Heisman Trophy. Maxwell, Walter Camp. That's the hat trick. Just some of the names from that 1979 roster. Name them all. I mean, you can pick out the Hall of Famers as I'm reading them off: all. Marcus Allen, Chip Banks, Joey Browner, Ronnie Lott, Dennis Smith, Jeff Fisher, Bruce Matthews, Don Mosbar, Anthony Munoz, Keith Van Horn, Charles White, Roy Foster. Now you understand why I said if you want to just gauge it on offensive line alone, that team was loaded. So it was the 2004 squad. Uh, let me remind everybody, they were undefeated and they were also in the middle of a 34 game undefeated, unbeaten streak. Um, and they had, a, they had a collection of talent on that team. It wasn't quite like that 1979 squad, which is full of hall of famers. Nonetheless, It was loaded, and they took no mercy on their opponents that year. Uh, Remember, now, the out-of-conference schedule might not sound as daunting as the 1979 one. However, it did include going into Virginia Tech's backyard, Landover, Maryland. It's like literally around the corner. Uh, They won. They also beat Colorado State, BYU, and Notre Dame out-of-conference. So... Four games, four wins. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, and let's also include their bowl game, their BCS National Championship game, when they annihilated an undefeated Oklahoma, fifty-five to nineteen. That was a fun Orange Bowl. Those that two thousand four USC team became. Just the second wire-to-wire number one team in the AP poll. Florida State did it back in 1999. Finishing it off with that absolute, I mean, they they crushed Oklahoma. Remember uh, before that game, if you were watching on TV, when ESPN's Mark May, and I, I'm trying to remember the other Yahoo, it, was it Bob Greasy, um, who said before the game that USC didn't have the personnel to match up with that Oklahoma team. The final score that well, at halftime, the score was 38 to 10. Uh, USC remember that team had on offense hat Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, Lendell White, Dwayne Jarrett, Steve Smith, Ryan Khalil, Deuce Latoui. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, the defense, Lojack, Lawrence Jackson, Mike Fat Mac Pat Patterson, Fat Pat, Sean Cody, Lofa Tutupu. Speaking of Lofa, uh, rumor has it he was calling out the Oklahoma plays on offense for those guys before the ball was snapped, and there were even some Sooners asking the Trojans, uh, "Like, hey guys, can you just like run the ball so the clock would keep moving? Let's just get this game over with." That's how embarrassing it was. <laughs> so, out of conference schedule toughness, you got to check the box for that 1979 team going into Death Valley less LSU and Notre Dame in the same season. That's rough. Offensive juggernaut, though, that goes to that 2014. They would have, I'm telling you, which defense, I guess, you're going to pick the 1979, team, the 2014. Remember, it's a college team. You're not picking the NFL Hall of Famers. Who wins the game? <coughs> My pick, that 1979 team. But man, would I love to see it happen. Talk about an intriguing game, bro. We'll talk about more intriguing players. That's coming up in our next segment. First, I need you to uh, go get a delicious treat. And if you don't have one around, I'm going to encourage you, go get a built bar. Because you want to eat healthy and you want your stuff to taste good, then you're a, you're you're a lot like me. I, I got just the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You're not even gonna think you're eating a protein bar. They're good for you. They're the perfect New Year's resolution. Hey, we're just a few days away from March, so we're past the resolution. Now you're doing this for yourself. Get into the routine. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for what starters, they're made with 100% real chocolate. If you don't like chocolate, you and I might not be able to be friends. I'm kidding. I don't know many people who don't like chocolate, though. Uh, And they come in some really good flavors, like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. And I'm not sure how they do it, but Built they've made these things taste like a candy bar. And they do it without losing all that good stuff for you. Like, they're only 130 calories. They come with only four grams of sugar. And they're also going to give you a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even need to wait around for a box. You don't have to go online and order them. You can head on over to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart. Today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of their cookies and cream, or their double chocolate or coconut puffs. And then if you're close to Sam's Club, run on in, get a 13-bar box with their hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. Let me know how you like them. Tell me about it. Thank me later. Okay. I need to say thank you to everyone who's made Locked on USC, their first listen every day. Thank you. I want to make sure you're trying out our other podcast called Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus, you're going to hear from the big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available when on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. March Madness is around the corner. I know a lot of you aren't big basketball fans. Some of you are casual. Well, now's the time to check it out, right? Get into March Madness. Head on over to Locked On College Basketball. Okay, so going into the weekend, the only intrigue was, at least for me, uh, was wondering if USC was going to see their wide receiver room lose their fifth guy. I'm kidding. Before the weekend, John Jackson III, JJ3, um, he was the last guy to make that tough call. I told you guys about it. And that the feedback was, ex- was as expected. He was a fan favorite. Everybody loves JJ. Um, But again, don't worry about John. He's going to do just fine in life. But we are going to continue with some intrigue. We're going to get back to the intrigue list, both mine and the the one I submitted, well, the one compiled by wersc.com. The last guy off the wersc list um, was Damani Jackson. Over the weekend, Three more guys, three more intriguing stories, players. They came off the list. We're going to go over those guys right now. And I'm going to tell you why it's why they're intriguing, why they made the list. And you're going to notice uh, the names, they're, they're starting to become repetitive. Um, because if it wasn't on the We Are a C list, they were on my list. So everything's kind of starting to zigzag and and come across each other again. So here is the uh, the WeRSC update. Number eight on the intrigue. Remember, the lower the number, the higher the intrigue. So, number eight, Jarrett Kingston. Number seven was Marshawn Lloyd. Number six was Tackett Curtis. Okay. <clears throat> Here's the way my ballot looked Number eight was Ray John Davis. Number seven was Corey Foreman. Number six was Damani Jackson. So mine had a uh, had much more of a defensive flavor to it compared to the WRC compilation. <clears throat> so as I mentioned, as you can see, these, the roads they're kind of they're zigzagging a little bit right now. They're crossing over. Uh, heading into the weekend, number nine for me was Cortland Ford. And the reason I'm bringing up that name again is because he's going to have to, he has another battle on his hands for that starting left tackle spot. And it's coming from another transfer. And that brings us up to number eight, Jared Kingston on the wersc.com intrigue list. Uh, the reason Jared Kingston didn't make my list at all is I knew I was going to be talking about him when Cortland's name came up. So, here we are. Here's Kingston's resume. Uh, He has a 26-game starting streak. We had a 26-game starting streak with the Washington State Cougars uh, before he went down with a lower right leg injury, forcing him to miss the last three regular season games as well as the bowl game. So, despite missing those four games, uh, he still was voted by his peers, all Pac-12 honorable mention. Something else for you to chew on. Kingston, according to PFF, uh, did not allow a sack in 398 pass blocking attempts. And again, according to PFF, his 80.9 pass blocking grade was good for number 27 overall in the country and number three in the Pac-12 among offensive tackles who took at least 300 pass-blocking snaps. Now, he did allow 15 quarterback pressures, and he was flagged twice. Ooh. Um, I'll take those numbers. Here's the question. Here's the intrigue. Will he be healthy, 100% healthy, in the spring, when spring camp gets here? I mentioned he had an injury late in the year. He actually suffered a... Uh, nothing specific, but it was on a running play. It was early in the second quarter when Stanford, uh, when they were hosting Stanford, excuse me, they were playing at Stanford, like, let me correct myself, and his right leg got rolled up on. So uh, Kingston wasn't able to put any weight on his right foot as trainers helped him off the field. Now, as great as Caleb Williams is, um, uh, between Cortland Ford and Jarrett Kingston, that left tackle spot obviously has some intrigue. My number eight guy was Rayjon Davis. Uh, look, every time his name was brought up with Lincoln Riley or his teammates that were, you know, able to talk to after practices, Rayjon's name, whenever it came up, uh, Always positive. He's just, re- he's real close. You should expect to see him on the field. He's doing a lot of great things, yada, yada, yada. Yet, he never saw the field. Even one of the players in his position group were injured. So, back in January, when Riley had his sit down with the media, a little roundtable session that I talked about, uh, Lincoln spoke about not allowing... Well, I shouldn't say the players allowing, not letting the players make it a 50 50 call. Uh, in other words, putting it in the coaches' hands to make the decision, uh, which was Lincoln's soft way of copping out, saying, you know, making the responsibility of the, the coaches for putting it on them, for, you know, not putting him in and choosing another player. If you don't want that to be the case, you know, make sure the staff knows you're the guy to put in. I understand where Lincoln was coming from. But again, it just, if it's 50 50 and you've been using the other guys in your 50 50 and they're not getting the job done either, you know, roll the dice. So here's the thing did, if he got, if Ray got lost in the shuffle last year, which is, like you know, I guess what Lincoln Riley was trying to say, um, you know, when Shane Lee showed up and Eric Gentry. It, pretty much it's going to be the same thing this spring with Mason Cobb. You've got uh, Tekka Curtis, the high school phenom, coming in. And then hopefully we got Carson Tabarachi, the transfer from Utah last year, who was on uh, Rehab Island for the entire year. So I guess another intriguing aspect to Ray John Davis is, where's he going to play? Is he going to get a shot at that rush end spot, or is he, you know, is he a true second level linebacker? Is he going to be middle linebacker? Is he going to be the will? We're going to find out in the spring. That's why Rayshon Davis is kind of high up on my intrigue list. Next guy up on the WRC list was Marshawn Lloyd. I talked about Lloyd already. He was number eighteen on mine, but a lot of the same rationale from. The group, the We Are SC group, it sounds just like mine, is, um, is Lloyd going to end up being SC's number one uh, running back coming out of spring camp? Is he going to take that job away from Austin Jones, who took over when Travis Dye went down? So is Austin Jones going to you know, say, hey, Marshawn, you're going you're gonna to have to fight me for this spot. We'll find out. More importantly, I think the intrigue with uh, Marshawn is can he stay healthy for an entire season because when he's good when he's healthy good he's really good he's the type of running back who um you can you know you can hand the ball off to the guy probably 20 plus times a game like a Travis die, and he's just going to get you po- positive yardage and he's more athletic than both Travis and Austin That was my guy. That was, excuse me, that was the, uh, that was the WeRSC guy. My guy was, number seven, was Corey Foreman. This is it. He has to make an impact in 2023. Look, he has some momentum coming off his game against UCLA. And I just, you know, for anybody who wants to poo-poo that away and that wasn't just a bad throw by DTR, by Dorian, Thompson, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the Bruin quarterback. Uh, Corey actually diagnosed and read that play perfectly. Go watch the tape. He dropped in the coverage. He was, it was a zone coverage. But he read DT's, DTR's eyes, and he cut underneath the route, stepped in front of the pass. The rest is history. I've got it on film. I was... Behind the play, and I watched it happen. You could—it's a beautiful thing to watch. So, for me, I think Corey's issue is getting to the quarterback consistently. Um, here's what Lincoln Riley said last October when he was asked about uh, about Foreman's development. He said, "Quote: The number one thing that he's done up to this point is that he stayed on the field." He's been able to continue to get practice and get better and get reps and get more comfortable with what we're asking that position, the edge position to do. The thing we're looking for in all of our guys, including Corey, is consistency. His, His good is outstanding, and he's got to go out there, trust it, and play more consistent. He's certainly one of many guys we look at right now and say, What a great time for him to really break through. I feel like we have a lot of guys that have done a lot of good things on the practice field and ready to take that next step and go out and earn a lot of reps on Saturday. End quote. In other words, the glowing endorsement that he got from his head coach back in October was he's playing through injury like everyone else and he's starting to show flashes of what he can do. Look, Corey's running out of time to become that player everyone anticipated he should be or could be or would be that came with that high ranking out of high school. Now you understand why I don't put a lot of you know, clout into those star rankings. They're 50-50. Um, and look, let, let's let's give a little bit, uh, let's be fair. Yes, injury and staff turnover can definitely be taken into consideration when it comes to Corey's development. But both Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, they brought in a few guys to challenge for that Russian spot for a reason. They have seen a lot more Corey in practice than I have than anybody of you know, anybody. We're not a lot of practice, um, but I I talk to enough people to know that Corey is working hard. Um, he's admitted that he's humbled himself, and this has been a this has been a process for him. So, here's the thing: if Corey's is going to want to keep that uh, number zero jersey, he's going to have to earn it because Mason Cobb, transfer from Oklahoma State, he wears that number two. Both play defense. And Mason's resume has earned that number zero jersey. You know that you're looking for numbers that stand out, well, the number zero just recently became available for players to wear. I don't know if Corey's earned that zero number. Here's the thing. Is Corey is he a stand-up rush end in this scheme? Should he put his hand in the dirt? You know, is he just let him become that defensive end, a true defensive end? Whatever it is, he needs to develop another move uh, when he's rushing the quarterback, trying to get in the backfield because he's really easy to block. That's my opinion. And if you disagree, let me know. Give me some feedback. Number six on the WRSC list was Tackett Curtis. Uh, as you can see, he's pretty high up on that uh, intrigue list. He was USC's only. He was really the only linebacker USC went after in their 2023 recruiting class. So there was no backup plan. If they had one, it was it's definitely in the transfer portal. And linebacker USC they need um, they need guys who can make an immediate impact. Mason Cobb is anticipated to be one. Jameel Muhammad was another one who came through the transfer portal. Both of those guys impact players they're being asked to make to be there's actually a few on the we rsc staff and i'm kind of on in that boat i'm not ready to get there yet who believe that uh, curtis can crack usc starting rotation by the end of the season that's gonna be a tough remember you got if he can he's gonna be a superstar because Think about the players who were there. You got Shane Lee, you got Eric Gentry, Ray John Davis, uh, and the Mason Cobb, Jamil Muhammad. You know, there's, there's players ahead of this guy, but Tackett, he's there in the spring, so he's got a chance. <clears throat> My guy at, um, was Damani Jackson at number nine in uh, the. M- <coughs> Sorry about that. Something's going on here with me power anyways get back to that actually um Damani Jackson as I mentioned he was number nine last week on we are a C's list I'm just gonna go over his his bona fides he was scheduled to start been injury uh, took over with injury on him just kind of nagged at him all year so seven games of action, essentially 25 snaps. He finished the with two tackles, a uh, pass deflection. Here's the intrigue for me with Damani. Uh, again, known as Mr. Practice, um, but he's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay in the field because you cannot teach six foot one, 200 pounds, twitchy, physical, fast, um, that's, that's what you call a shutdown corner. And USC, if you got a shutdown corner and you got experience on the other side with Christian Roland Wallace, that's going to make the guys on the defensive line and linebacker it's going to make their jobs a lot easier. Especially if Alex French knows he's got guys on the back end who can cover. All right, let's get into segment three here. We're not going to talk long, but we are going to recognize the men's basketball team. Yes, we are. They got that Rocky Mountain Road sweep. They beat Utah on Saturday 62 to 49. The win improves USC to 21 and 8 overall and 13 and 5 in the Pac-12. It also guarantees them a first-round bye in the Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas, which starts the weekend of Beginning Thursday, March 8th, and it'll end uh, on the 11th in Las Vegas. That'll be at the uh, T-Mobile Arena. But before then, they're going to host the Arizona Wildcats on Thursday and then Arizona State Saturday night for Senior Day before they head off to that tournament. By the way, ASU... Uh, They got into the March Madness mood a couple of weeks early. I don't know if you've seen the highlight, but uh, they sent a buzzer beater from beyond half court in Tucson to knock off Arizona. Yeah, they're going to be kind of angry when they arrive in LA this week. Um, So the Bruins, UCLA, they lock up the regular season crown. And that means if USC wants to secure the number two seed in the Pac-12 tournament, they're going to have to knock off Arizona on Thursday. And that would be great because I would love nothing more to see USC normally match up against UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament championship game. But of course, I want to see them beat them. And I think everybody else does too. Because uh, right now, this USC basketball team, they're playing really, really good defense. Boogie Ellis. Is looking like a legit point guard, and he's scoring at will. From inside, he's getting to the basket, and he's just draining threes like they're going out of style from outside. The team is shooting the three ball really well. Drewski, Drew Peterson, uh, he's leading by example. He is playing by far his best basketball since he's been a Trojan. Uh, Looking really good. Making good decisions. He's not doing things... Um, where you're just you're scratching your head, or if he is, it, it's happening maybe once a game. So, here's what you need to know, USC basketball fans. I know you're out there. When this team is 100% healthy, as they are right now, they're nine and one as a team. So get out to Galen Center this weekend, support them, beat Arizona. It's Senior Day on Saturday, and let, again they've already won they're 20 they're they got 21 wins they've got 20 games they've won 20 games four seasons in a, row, in a row with Andy Enfield as their head coach that's the first time it's ever happened in program history so again thank you for making locked on USC your first listen every day i just talked about college basketball go check out locked on college basketball make it your second listen and then head on over to wrce.com right, got another four episodes of Locked on USC. We come at you five days a week. I appreciate you being here. Tell me what you thought about the show. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button and that notification button so you never miss an episode. But I'll be back again with another one. So until then, you know what to do.